0: The issues that matter most right here, The Drew Mariani
1: Show, on Relevant Radio. In the inner man,
2: on an unconscious level, we're making decisions all the time toward the light, toward the truth,
1: or against it, toward the passions, right? On that level, we've decided what we love. The fruit of our life is what we love. We invest our time in what we want and what we
2: love. If I invest my life into the passions, into dead things, and not into communion with God, that means that... That's what I want, and that's what I'm comfortable with, and that's already hell. And so when the soul leaves the body, that's what I am, and that's where I'm comfortable, and that's where i It
3: is the love of God rejected. What is hell? Hell is to be in the presence of God and to not want God.
4: Life as you've never heard it. You're listening to The Drew
2: Mariani Show. Well, it's good to be with you today. Thank you. It's sobering thoughts. Uh, and I'll tell you what, one day, We will all stand before God. We'll stand before him as a naked soul. We'll be judged. And ultimately, we'll end in one of two destinations. We'll either be granted eternity with him. Some of us may have to do some purgation. Or by our own actions and choice, we'll reject him and spend an eternity without him. You know, I think Len's such a great time to talk about this. You know, you put, I don't know if you have your ashes yet. If you don't, you'll get them tonight. But... So often it's a reminder that we're dust, right? We are dust. And that's where we're going to return. And the, con- the life's very short. The, the, the few years that we have, they pass very quickly. And what we do on this side of the veil will reverberate for eternity on the next side. So I thought today we could take a look at this. My, my colleague Patrick Madrid, when he first joined the network, I attended an event or a party with him. He said, Drew, I want to talk to you. So I said, sure. So we kind of pulled me aside. We had this conversation. Uh, He asked me a question about, do you think more souls go to heaven, or do you think they go to hell? I was never asked that before. And it really made me think, because there's a lot of cases for hell, right? You can take a look at the fires of of hell that the seers in Fatima saw. You know, all these souls, St. Faustina having a vision of this wide path, souls blindly going to their perdition. You, you, you look at the culture today, and you see the absolute rejection of God on so many levels. And Yet on the other side of that, I think of St. Faustina. And she writes in her diary that God's greatest attribute is his mercy, that no mind, be it human or angelic, will ever be able to fathom the depths of his mercy through all eternity. It's the astonishment of the angels. It's the wonder of the saints. The Lord told St. Faustine, he reaches out to souls three times between this side of life and the next, offering his mercy. God loves you, and he loves those you love far more than you could ever imagine. So I know how much I love my children, how much I love those who are in my family. Would I ever want them to spend eternity in hell? No. But God also gives us free will. And we're going to talk about all this today, but I'm seeing your Brian Branch is going to be joining me in a minute. But before we do... Um, one of my colleagues here, his name's Dennis. He handles a lot of our, our video, uh, our video division here. And he says, have you ever heard of the fewness of those who were saved by St. Leonard of Port Maurice? And I was like, no, I never heard of it. He says, check this out. So he gave me a link and it's, uh, it's a sermon called the fewness of those who were saved. And it's a profound reflection on the themes of salvation and damnation within our faith. And the, the sermon is divided into two parts. The sermon first asserts that a majority of Catholics are doomed to damnation. And he draws on theological opinions, church fathers, scripture. Uh, when you go through this, I'm telling you, it's sobering. I was like, oh my gosh, I am in so much trouble, right? The second part suggests that individuals are damned by their own choice. Um, you know, I, we're going to talk about it. In fact, Maggie, I invited Dennis to come on today to talk about how it impacted him. And Maggie, I know he just stopped into the uh, into the booth with you there to the control room. He did. What was he saying and what did he want to share? Well, I know he, he's in a meeting right now, so he can't join us. Yeah,
1: he said he couldn't get out of his 4 o'clock meeting. So, but I asked him, I said, well, you know, Drew always likes to know how these things come about. I said, how did you discover you this know, and what kind of impact did it have on your life? He said he converted back to the faith around 2016 and he discovered this somehow in his, you know, ravenous reading um at, at that point. And he said at first he really tried to reject it. It was something that he just couldn't really reconcile with. And he said, then I started to question myself. And he said, How serious am I about this faith? Am I just playing a role of Catholicism? Or am I seriously striving to become a saint? And he said, I started to look at my faith as seriously as like Michael Jordan would towards basketball or Michael Phelps would towards swimming. And so that's, that's how he came across this. And he said, it really affected him.
2: Uh, And I know you were looking at the website too. It is sobering, isn't it? Totally. (laughs) I, I mean, it's a little scary. I was like, what the heck? You know, um, here's the bottom line the, the catholic church's teaching on hell is unequivocal we had a guest on last week maggie was during the pledge drive and I, I think did we ask the priest that or we asked about sin or something it's one mortal sin
1: father ken jurasi
2: what did he say one mortal sin will separate you forever from god
1: yeah. yeah and and we all were you could hear a pin drop we thought oh
2: uh, he paused Ooh. before and he laid that out. I forget what we were talking about when he laid it out. Because it I think just like, you
1: asked him this, do more souls go to heaven versus hell? And he, he gave us a very sobering response. And And we were like, all right.
2: One <laughs> mortal sin. That's why confession is so important. So what the church teaches is that hell is a state of eternal separation from God. And it is reserved for those who die in a mortal sin. And when you're in a mortal sin, you have definitively rejected God's mercy. Uh, hell's not a myth. Okay? It's not a metaphor. It's not a relic of some medieval conjuring, as some people like to say. You know, uh, Scripture affirms it. The magisterium of the church is very clear on it. Christ himself spoke about it a couple times, right? He talks about the, unquiet, the unquenchable fire or the weeping and gnashing uh, of, of teeth. So, And saints throughout history have glimpsed it you know, including Faustina and the Fatima Sears amongst others. So let's dive into it. If you want to join me, if you got a question, a comment, if you have um, a concern, you have, feel free to, to dial in 888-914-914-9, 888-914-9149. I'm joined right now by a great contributor to the program, Monsignor Brian Bransfield. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And, uh, he has written a book on angels, and uh, you can also check out uh, the book Life Everlasting, The Mystery and the Promise uh, from, uh, I think it's Pauline Books, is is his latest one. Uh, Monsignor, good to have you back. Good afternoon.
5: Thank you, Drew. It's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners today yeah, this on is, Ash Wednesday. Yeah, it's
2: such a sobering conversation, isn't it? I mean, it's... Uh, It's tough. You know, the modern era today, I mean, uh, I think one of the great deceptions of the evil one is to make people think he doesn't exist and that there's no consequence for sin. And hell sometimes is ridiculed and sometimes dismissed as being outdated. Um, How do you view this? I'll throw you the same question. What do you think? Do you think more souls go to heaven? Do they go to hell? And are you familiar with the uh, Sermon of St. Maurice?
5: I'm not familiar with the sermon, and I tend not to move into the the quantifiable number, but I think what we're pointing to is the unrepentant mortal sin at the moment of death has an eternal effect on the soul. And hell is the final, it's the final and definitive consequence of unrepentant mortal sin. And the church teaches that human beings who, of their own free will, permanently reject the endless mercy of God and die in final impenitence outside of the grace of god in the state of mortal sin go immediately to hell after death that's the the teaching of the church a very sobering teaching a teaching that stops us in our tracks and is meant to remind us of the merits of jesus christ who has come to save us from sin and death and to destroy the works of the devil but yes, the teaching is very sobering. It's very hard for us to get into a quantifiable piece. We don't have an opposite of canonization. We, we, can, we know canonized saints and, and others would be in heaven beyond canonized saints, but we don't have an inverse process to do a head count of hell specifically. And the speculation on it uh, can lead us down some roads that, that might not be as good for us. Simply the knowledge of it is enough to turn us back to the ways of grace the ways of repentance and conversion
2: yeah and, and hell i mean this is not this conversation is not to instill fear but and i, I think the church's teaching too is pretty clear it's to really awaken us to the consequences of our choices, right? How underscores, I right. think, a very profound exactly. reality of free will. It's one of the greatest gifts we've had. I prayed, Lord, why'd you give me free will, right? I want to be with you for no. all eternity. But, but yeah. you know, we have to uh, approach our moral decisions, understanding there's consequences for them. And it's really, I think this conversation's a, about a call to conversion, about turning back to God while there there is still time. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I hope people will take it very seriously. Um, how does the reality of hell influence one's choices? I don't think people really think about it that often, do they?
5: I, I agree. I think prudent fear of eternal separation from God is very important to the life of the soul prudent fear, to take seriously the words of the gospel, to take seriously the teaching of the church, and the significance that God has created us with free will so we can love him, so we can give ourselves entirely to him. And even after sin, God is faithful to his covenant, even though we're unfaithful again and again, God continually reaches out to us to save us. Today, Ash Wednesday, God creates us from the dust of the earth. When God went to create human beings, he didn't reach for diamonds. He didn't reach for money. He didn't reach for reputation. He reached for dust, humility, to remind us he is a humble God who loves us, who gives us, he wants our free will to love him freely, but freedom is real. And when we reject him permanently in a final state of final impenitence, deliberately rejecting him, God cannot override our choice. Love does not override our free choices, but love goes to the cross for us and wants to recreate us from the consequences of sin, the dust of decay. He who creates us from the dust of the earth wants to recreate us even from the dust of the consequences of our sin in in death and resurrection as on Easter. But he does not override our free choice. It's not... Uh... That's not the way it is.
2: That's so beautiful. It's it's so true. It's so sobering. And Maggie, you and I were talking about this before the program, and Jesus himself was very clear about the reality of, of hell the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man's in the flames of hell while Lazarus is comforted by the patriarch Abraham, and there's this great chasm between the two of them that no one can c- cross. And uh, what were, you were just sharing with me the quote. Why don't you share that quote? Do you have it in front of you?
1: I do. Um it- The rich man is begging Abraham um, to, uh, he he says, uh, I beg you, Father, that you would send to him my father's house, that I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come out of this place of torment. And Abraham says to him, they have Moses, they have the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, wait, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead.
2: So, Masani, let's pick up on that point because that's, that again is quite haunting. Even if someone was to rise from the dead. Exactly. Right. We we live in a time today where, I mean, there's so much evidence of God reaching out to us. I mean, and yet it seems people have totally rejected God. I've never seen such a godless era. I'm sure there have been others as well. But what is it going to take? to awaken those that we love, who are living immoral lifestyles or are on the road to, to hell? What's it going to do to turn around this giant ship that is the culture and headed back towards God instead of away to its own peril?
5: I think the answer is the same as it's always been. What's it going to take? What's going to, the resurrection of Christ and you and me proclaiming that. The resurrection of Christ, risen from the dead, the full gospel proclamation, risen from the dead for us and for our salvation. And you and me, Proclaiming that as we're doing right now, that's what it takes because as we hear that, that parable, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man, he says, go to my father where I have five brothers. The fathers of the church see the five brothers as the five senses, that the, the rich man through his life indulged his senses and didn't care for the life of the soul. It's similar to the five husbands of the Samaritan woman, the five senses that when we get enraptured in the life of the senses, we forget the things of God. And so he says, go to my father's house. And he says, they have the prophets. They have Moses, the law in the Old Testament. This is what God has been doing throughout the entire Old Testament to point to the one who would be faithful. Christ, the one, the Messiah, who would be faithful, the covenant faithfulness of God, who would conquer sin and death, rise from the dead and save us. He's the one who we proclaim so that he can save us from sin and the effects of sin. So remember the Lazarus, he says, send Lazarus. The rich man says, send Lazarus. That's the unutterable scandal, isn't it? The rich man knew Lazarus' name. Wow. He was a beggar at his gate and he knew his name, but yet never gave him anything, but he still knew his name. And he says, to dip his finger and cool my tongue, the fathers of the church tell us that the rich man's sin was also talkativeness, gossip, yeah. that his tongue was was on fire. Wow.
2: My guest today, Monsignor Bransfield, if you want to join us, we'll take a few calls. Mm-hmm. Feel free to pull up a chair and join the conversation as we talk about a very sobering reality. Uh, the consequence for the rejection of God, God honors our free will, and uh, we choose to reject him, there is a place called hell. Of course, I believe in the mercy of God, and I trust very much in it. And I think uh, you, maybe you're hearing this message for a reason, you know, this, is a, this should be a message of great hope for all of us. Arlene is in Rhode Island. Arlene, good afternoon. You are on the air with Monsignor Brian Bransfield. Go right ahead.
3: Hi, Monsignor. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. So I was thinking about St. Faustina
6: and how she says, um, I think she says, even at the 11th hour, the Lord will receive us if we, you know, repent and turn to him. So, if a person's pretty much lived their own whole life you know doing what they want to do mm-hmm. and committing mortal sins throughout and on their deathbed they or or soon before that, you know around that time, they decide, you know, wow, I their eyes are opened and they convert, they give their heart to the Lord. would they be accountable for all of the sins from the past, or would they that mortal sin they committed make them go to hell, or would the Lord honor
3: their desire to be with Him?
5: Arlene, that's a very good question, and, and we believe that those who do express sincere sorrow in the grace of Christ, especially through the sacraments, but God can work outside of the sacramental structure at times. Uh, that a person who sincerely asks for the forgiveness of Christ at the moment of death would be saved from eternal damnation. And uh, obviously purgatory is the place to be made ready to enter the presence of God, but that person could be saved. And even the thief on the cross, Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So the deathbed confession the end of life confession is a very important moment in the spiritual life, and I believe uh, Paul the Sixth, Pope Paul the Sixth, said all that's necessary to show repentance is one looks lovingly at a crucifix wow, after a life wow. like that. So the power flowing from the cross of Jesus, uh, the blood-stained cross of Jesus, is is. Very, very strong.
2: So, so, Arlene, thank you for the call. And, I, and I'll share I'll share with you the quote that St. Faustina had said about those at the point of death. But before I do, I want to follow up on what you said. So she's saying somebody's lived a life, they're in a state of mortal sin, but they receive that final grace. They, they return to it, and you're right, God can work out of that sacramental structure. Let's take the other side of that. Let's say you lived your entire life. You, know, you tried always to be good, you you did your part, but you sinned, you fell, you go to confession, you go through life, and then you don't know this, but today's your day, and you happen to commit a mortal sin. And your plane goes down, or you get shot, or the car gets in a terrible accident, and you don't have that time to say, Lord, I'm sorry for that mortal sin, because by your mortal sin... You have eternally separated yourself from God. To me, that almost seems unfair in some respects. So break that down for me, if you could, because Certainly. you've loved God, you tried to, you know, you've made mistakes, but you're in this relationship with Him. But in the end, mortal sin is death to the soul, uh, and you die prematurely in a very rapid way. Um, how exactly. do you see that playing out?
5: It's a very good question, Drew. So for a mortal sin, you need three things: you need a very serious matter, a grave matter. Uh, sufficient reflection. The person has to really think about this. Yeah. You know, it's not a sin of, of ignorance or even partial ignorance, and they have to give full consent of the will, not partial consent, not not out of passion, fear, force, habit, or strong emotion. It's full consent of the will. So, look at the person you described, and the life of virtue developed in them. They lived their whole life trying to be good. They have frequent recourse to confession and the sacraments. It's highly unlikely that that person would give. Full consent of their will to a matter that definitively would exclude them from heaven forever—is it? It's possible. Yes, it's highly unlikely because of the life of virtue. They may, out of weakness or ignorance, do something very grave, but it has to be full to consent of the will and sufficient reflection. If anything's lacking there, this sin, while not, while still a serious sin, is not a mortal sin because you need full consent of the will and sufficient reflection for the mortal sin. So it's highly unlikely that someone who lived the life, as you described, a life of frequent recourse to grace, grace has an effect in us, as so does virtue. And so they may be very imperfect at the moment of death, but it's highly unlikely that the sin would be mortal if they've lived that type of life. It's probably committed with some degree of ignorance yeah. or some degree. It's not fully a malicious sin if they've lived that way. And if they have that imperfection at the moment of death, they, they that's what purgatory, uh, that intermediate state of purification, which uh, – souls are cleansed of non-mortal sins they're healed and made yeah. ready for the presence of god
2: it, it's still sobering though because you, you think about Very the, the college kid or whoever it is you know they're having sex outside of marriage they know it's not right they've not been to confession in a while they know that's kind of wrong they figure god will forgive them you kind of buy into this mindset that your time's not coming and and hell's and eternity. It's 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 pretty wild. But I, you know, how do I weigh in on this this whole thing? I, I tend to look at God as merciful. To our, our last caller, you know, she says the Lord comes in the eleventh hour. What Saint Faustina wrote in her diary. It's diary entry sixteen ninety eight. He says to Saint Faustina, she she wrote that although a person's at the point of death, the merciful God gives the soul an interior vivid moment, so that if the soul is willing. It has the possibility of returning to God. And I think, Monsignor, you know, that's probably what happens between this side of life and the next. You know, God is the author of time. He's in complete control of it. As we draw that final breath, as our heart beats that final beat, you know, perhaps the Lord does come and exerts his mercy uh, upon us. And we came with our free will either to choose to turn to him in that moment or stay mired in our love of the sin and and reject him. But I think God loves us so much, he's always reaching out to us, even in that final, final moment of our life.
5: I agree, and it points to the all-sufficient merit of Christ, the beauty of Christ, Christ crucified, that the beauty of Christ always reaching out in salvation, Christ has made atonement and satisfaction for all sin. He has endowed the inexhaustible treasury of the church with the immeasurable riches of his grace. And through the church, Christ continually reaches out through the sacraments, especially and through the proclamation of the church. But he can, as St. Faustina said, reach out in other ways that that are not fully known to us yes. in his great and abiding mercy.
2: Such a beautiful and comforting thought. Let's grab a uh, few calls. If you want to join us, get in. You can get in now. I know the phones fill up pretty quickly. The number's 888 914 Nine one four nine. We'll start in Austin, Texas. Gracie, good afternoon.
6: Uh, yes, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call, um, Monsignor. I've had something that has bothered me um, for quite a while now. My my father um, passed away uh, at the end of February. Will be a, almost a year. Um, my father was uh, baptized and went through his, you know, initiation as as uh, as a Catholic, but he never went to mass. Um, he, um, would almost sometimes, you know, complain about the church, about Jesus, and didn't have good things to say. Um, when my father was passing away, uh, a couple of days before he, um, what began the whole process of him passing, he had an, you know, an accident. We had to take him into the shower and, and I was bathing him and cleaning him up. Um, he pointed, he started to shake his hand, move his hand on the right side of him. And he started to, you know, like trying to swoosh something out of the way. And I asked him what he was doing. And he said, I'm trying to, it's, it's the devil, you know, Mm. it is the devil. And I'm trying to like, just chew him away or something. Um, that really scared me and my other daughter who was cleaning up the restroom and, um, we started to pray the hail Mary because it really scared us. Um, and then a little bit later he did it again. And, um, this time like it towards the front of him and still on the right hand side. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing? Mm. And he said, he said, it's, it's, it's a shadow. It's a shadows. That's just, I'm trying to shoo the shadow away. Um, It left me with the sense of worried if he made it. Um, I did uh, pray for him, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We prayed for him various times. We also um, uh, prayed the rosary for him. We still continue to do masses for him. Um, And I, I told him before, I think the day before he passed away, I said, Dad, you know, God loves you no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've done. Yeah. You know, you have a last chance. And, yeah. you know, please, yeah. you know, please. He was, you know, I knew he could hear me. He was oh. unconscious, I guess, to some extent, but Gracie, I knew t- that he could hear me.
2: I'll tell you, hold the thought. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to hear, you know, what you had to go through, what you're still struggling with. But I'll let Monsignor Bransfield respond to you. I'm up against the clock. I need to take a short break. We'll continue this. On the other side, if you're on hold, I'll get you on the air as well. We'll take a look uh, at the reality of the afterlife, heaven, hell, free will, and more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. A big thanks to network sponsor the University of Dallas, the Catholic university for independent thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by the February 14th deadline. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas. That's RelevantRadio.com slash UDallas.
6: Suddenly,
4: he found himself alone in another dimension, something he described as a vast spiritual void. I was before the judgment seat of Almighty God, his son Jesus Christ. Our Lord went through my unconfessed, unforgiven, mortal sins, all the sins of my life, really, for your sentence. He said, I have to sentence you to hell. It was as if I had pronounced the sentence myself. I had chosen my destiny. He was just honoring that decision. So the next voice I heard, uh, was that of a female. Um, I didn't see her either. But she said, Son, would you please spare his life and his eternal soul? He said, Mother, he's been a priest for 12 years for himself and not for me. Let him reap the punishment he deserves. When she came back, she said, But son, if we give to him special graces and strengths, and then see if he bears fruit, if not, your will be done. There was a very short pause. And he came back and said, Mother, he's yours.
5: Despite only a 15% chance of surviving, and injuries that should have left him paralyzed for life, Father Shire defied all odds. I made an unexplainable recovery.
2: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I remember spending time with him. Um, he was driving down a road late at night, and I think he dozed off and hit a tractor trailer head-on. And his neck was snapped. He was clinging to life, and he died on the way to the hospital. And he had that encounter. Uh, and he understood. He says, Drew, when I am in." the presence of divine truth. There's no excuses for my actions. I couldn't say, but Lord, you have to understand, I did this because of that. He said, when you're in front of divine truth, I knew where I belonged. I knew. It wasn't like Christ was sentencing me to hell. I knew that that is where I belonged. Father Shire made a miraculous recovery and spent the rest of his life sharing not just that story, but doing all he can, because he said, I was a priest for myself, and not for Christ. I think we're all called to live our vocation for God, whatever state we're in. If you're away from the faith, if you're away from the confessional, I wanna invite you back. Please go to confession. Start your Lent anew. You don't know the day, you do not know the hour. If you're just joining me, I am speaking with uh, Monsignor Brian Bransfield. He's a very uh, gifted author, wonderful Catholic priest from Philadelphia. And uh, he's been with us in the past talking about everything from from angels to the consequence of, of sin, and it's great to have him back with me today. Monsignor, thank you. When we left off, we were talking to Gracie, whose father passed away too and seemed to be haunted by dark shadows in his final moments. You heard her testimony. Maybe you can give her some advice. I know she's concerned sure. about his eternal destination.
5: Sure, certainly. And Gracie... I'm as you started speaking, I thought Our Lady is present at every death. And Mm. as you continued your story, as you continued the account, you said, your father was shooing away the presence. And he said, I'm shooing away the devil. And the way I understand that is he was making a profession of faith. Because one of the first uh, professions of faith, one of the first questions we have is, do you reject Satan? and all his works, and all his empty show. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty? And you answer, I do, through the baptismal promises. So in a sense, he was making a profession of faith. He was rejecting the devil and sin. And as you prayed the Hail Mary, Our Lady is present at every death, and he heard the words of the Archangel Gabriel uh, as you prayed that. So I think it's very, very important what you did. And I think it's always important that Mass is said for the repose of the soul of our relatives. Uh, I'll certainly remember your father in my prayers and at the altar but I think he was he was making a profession of faith he rejected the devil at least twice and um and then he heard the Hail Mary prayed by those around him that's very very powerful in the spiritual life
6: yeah. that brings me comfort that that's always a doubt that we as a family have in the back of our mind because we knew how my dad just you know Bought it, And I just felt like there was just a lot of things in his life that happened that, you know, just caused him to reject. And, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
6: yep. he was a good man, and, but he, uh, he had yeah. his demons. Um,
5: and at the end, as you said, he rejected them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you reject evil, it must go. It must flee when you reject it. Mm-hmm. He did it. And then he heard the words of the Hail Mary. And that's very, very important in the spiritual life. So continue to have masses said, for the repose of his soul. And, uh, but I think you've indicated something yeah. very powerful, the profession of faith that stays with us. That's why it's so important to learn to reject evil and yeah. to choose good.
2: Well said. Well, Gracie, thank you for your call. I know you're not alone. A lot of other listeners probably have concerns about their sons or daughters or loved ones, too. Um, very comforting words, Monsignor. Thank you for sharing this. Paul's in Youngstown, Ohio. Paul, hi, you're on the air with Monsignor Bransfield.
3: Hi. Uh, I was wondering, you know, spe- speculating on whether more people are saved or whether more people are in hell. I don't know, but uh, there will certainly be people end up in both conditions. And um, the Pope's recent comment that he liked to imagine hell as empty. I wondered if you saw that as being, you know, kind of lulling people into a false sense of
1: security.
5: Thank you for your question. I, I do not think so. I don't think it's lulling people into a false sense of security because our Holy Father is very clear on the teaching of the church and the reality of the devil and the need not to listen to him on the reality of sin. So I think taken in the context of all of our Holy Father's teaching, I, I don't think it's anything pointing to a false sense of security. For me, what, what the statement points to is the to affirm hope in the merits of Christ, that the merits of Christ are the sole all-sufficient means of salvation offered to every person. And we pray earnestly and devoutly that the Church, the intercession of Our Lady, the angels and saints, through the merits of of the Christ, that each person will avow themselves of that font of mercy, and this is the work of the saints, it's the work of the church, and I think the great hope that our Holy Father mentioned is not naive. I think he's, he's very aware of what he's saying, and that, that he's very clear saying that the merits of Christ are strong and robust. It doesn't override our choices, but it continually invites us to covenant faithfulness, to the faithfulness, to reject evil, right, but uh, it's a very, very
2: important point. Paul, thank you very much. And Meg, I know you have a question you want to ask.
1: I do. I, I've been reading through this sermon, Monsignor, and there's about halfway through, he talks about those who have leadership over others. And he says, Woe to you who command others. If so many are damned because of your fault, what will happen to you? And it, it made me think of um, the Matthew 18 um, verse that talks about, Causing any of the little ones um, who believe in in God to stumble, it would be better for them to have a a millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Um, how how do we how how do we pray for or help convert those who are in authority? Um, I I think about our our own president who's Catholic, um, and and yet works and causes a lot of um, scandal and division and confusion amongst the flock, you know?
5: Well, prayer is essential. How do we pray for, I think the rosary is a very powerful means and to continue to pray for the conversion of hearts, pray for those who are in authority, both spiritual and temporal, so that the merits of Christ, they may avail themselves in freedom. And also our witness, the march for life, everything we do, the beauty of science of an ultrasound, you know, again and again, we see around every corner that life begins at the moment of conception. And we need to continually make that known through every means possible to convert hearts and really to ask God in his mercy to have mercy on those who are in such a state and such a, a level of, of pain and confusion and inflicting that. I pray for the president every day.
2: And it's not just the president, Maggie, to your point. It goes to those who, are, who have authority. And, and, you know, scandal's a terrible thing, Monsignor. I mean, a father who's not mm-hmm. living right or a mother or somebody else that, mm-hmm. you know, gives false teaching or by their lifestyle – leads others into sin scripture says you're better off putting a miles, uh, millstone around your neck right than harming one of those <laughs> those children yeah. so i it's again stuff we really need to think about my guest monsignor uh brian bransfield uh let me sneak another quick call in here and then i've got to take a break and we'll take final calls too if you want to get in triple eight nine one four nine one four nine michael in the virgin islands thanks for waiting so long good afternoon
3: Hello, good afternoon, Drew. I love your guys' show. and love the great, uh, important, very important topic. Yeah, um, quickly, I was just trying kind of, to kind of be quick. First of all, the, it seemed that more people, unfortunately, are going to to hell because Jesus said uh, what, it's the broad world that lead, many will find it. And then he talked about the narrow road that few should find. So I yeah. think it's, it's kind of clear, Jesus. And then um, he talked in First Thessalonians 4, verse 13, he talked about, those who are sleeping in Christ, and it says that our comfort is that, that Jesus coming back and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we, the, the living, you know, will be caught up together. And he says, comfort one another with these words. And finally, that verse in the same chapter, same, the same uh, chapter 5, have a beautiful verse. Verse 10, it says, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. To me, that's a, and then he also said, we are for comfort one another together and edify. To me, those are beautiful words that
2: they are beautiful. comfort
3: one another, that whether we wake, whether we are dead when Jesus comes, or whether we are alive, we will we live together with Christ. So those are Amen. beautiful words. Hey, Michael,
2: thank you for those beautiful words. You are welcome here anytime. Feel free to dial in. Monsignor, I have to take a quick pause here. When we come back, we can pick it up. We can talk more the final few minutes of the Drew Mariani Show lie ahead. If you want to get in, feel free to join us. 888 9149 as we began Lent. Took a look at a very important question. <clears throat> the consequence of sin, the importance of conversion, and doing penance and returning to God. And uh, We posited the question, do more souls go to heaven, or do they go to hell? We're exploring that and more. Stay with me. We go there. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
4: Most souls go hey, to looking hell. for a
2: new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states.
3: Most souls go to hell to said, because of sins of the flesh. Not that they are the most awful sins, they're not. They're sins easily forgiven by God, easily forgiven. But what happens is a person commits one sin, then they begin to think how bad they are. They don't go to confession, they're ashamed. And then, then they get into this state of non-forgiveness. But not to go to confession, not to, not to say you're sorry and have a resolve to, to overcome it. That is the cause of a loss of soul.
2: Life as you've never heard it. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show. Now, that was the voice of John Haffert. He was the founder of the Blue Army. And I thought what he had to say is, is really so true. And again, I'll go back. You know, sin is easily forgiven. Get to confession and you know, work on amending your life. Uh, yeah, a lot of people today reject hell. You know, and sin is a way of darkening the mind, of hardening the heart, of desensitizing us to to God. Uh, you know, how many individuals, when they first commit a sin, think, "Oh my gosh, this is so horrible." But after engaging in it, let, let's say it's you know living with somebody you shouldn't, or, or cohabitating, or having premarital sex, or, or pornography. At first, you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is so horrible." But the more you engage in it, the more you begin to justify it. Like, well, you know, we're just loving one another. There's nothing wrong with this. I'm just appreciating human beauty. You start to rationalize, and you end up going down a bad path. Um, Hell is a reality. Christ spoke of it. And it existed 17 books of the Bible. And I think it was Monsignor Charles Pope who was on the program in the past, and he's written about this. He says that 21 of the 38 parables are about judgment in hell, so it is serious business. A lot of people who had near death experiences have glimpsed the other side. There's also purgatory and there's also heaven, and I want to touch on those as well. But, Monsignor, before we move in, let me just give you allow you to have offer some remarks to Michael from the Virgin Islands who called. We'll grab another call or two, and, and then we can move on to some other aspects of the, of the afterlife.
5: Certainly, sir. With Michael, I think the key is. Focusing on that, the great merits of Christ risen from the dead, that the beauty of Scripture repeatedly showing us that Christ is the one who has stood in our place. And through the church, he longs to make that effective in all people throughout all times and places. And that's why as we journey through Lent, we're looking towards Easter. And we want that to become a reality in all of us.
2: Tom's in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Tom, thanks for joining us. You are on the air.
0: First off, God bless all three of you guys and nice. everybody behind Relevant Radio. Thank Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. Um, I was brought up as a uh, in the Catholic Church. Uh, I'm currently in, in the Assemblies of God Church and very much considering uh, coming back to the Catholic faith. Um, I uh, have gone into um, listening uh, to the chaplet at 3 o'clock and actually coming and uh, praying at uh with uh, you the show previously uh at night here at, at home my question is and it might be your dumb question of the day i hope not um with the non-catholic um faithful if you will um if they go directly to jesus for their forgiveness and do not go as as catholics do here on on earth uh through uh the priest uh Do they still have the same path to heaven that Catholics do?
5: That's an excellent question. There is one path to heaven, and that's Jesus. So anyone who goes to heaven has gone through the the merits of Jesus Christ, has gone through Jesus. Catholics, we work through the sacramental structure, the confession of sins through the sacraments. Those who, through no fault of their own, aren't aware of that or don't access that, it is possible for Christ to act outside of that to forgive sins, but it can't be through negligence or through resisting the sacramental structure. So it, but everyone who goes to heaven or is saved goes through Jesus Christ.
0: Right. So, but I mean, for example, they're not, uh, they're not being uh, devoted to Jesus. For example, um, Ash Wednesday, they do not pray the chaplet, the memorari, they, They think um, that the the Lord's prayer is a way of praying, not the actual prayer itself. There's some definite differences. Uh, I'm just wondering, and again, I'm much closer to going back to the Catholic faith and saying, but I'm... Well, what they would in terms
5: of positive unity would be Scripture, praying the Our Father for the forgiveness of sins, Um, so prayer, acts of charity works of mercy. So those are something we would share with other uh, non-Catholic Christians. Mm -hmm. So certainly through baptism and the Trinitarian formula with flowing water. So we do see that the life of grace can take place in implicit ways through scripture, through prayer, and through everything I had mentioned, the life of virtue. So God can work with all through those, through especially those who uh, seek Him with a sincere heart and try to be free of sin and free of any malice.
0: Okay, one last thing. Sure. There, There is, from those that are not Catholic, and I've fought this, uh, our communion is a joke. I mean, the, this little wafer and, and uh, Welch's grape juice once a month is, but I get a very good message from from my pastor. It's outstanding. With this, um, there's such this concern that we are praying directly to Mary or the saints, and the Jesus on the cross is idolatry, the stations of the cross is idolatry. It's very difficult for many of them to get past that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I pray for people's eyes to be opened, their minds to be expanded, their hearts to be warmed to these things. But is there anything that, uh, you know, outside of prayer and and just bombarding them with scripture and and other people that have gone from the Protestant faith to the back to in many cases the Catholic faith? Is there anything else that can be done?
5: Beautiful, Tom. Well, I think you mentioned great resources. Those who have come into the Catholic faith from the Protestant faith, and then working through scripture to show how these things. Are within a key tradition of the church, certainly the church fathers are very key in that way, so I think really, what you described are great sources, and of course, say that it's not idolatry, we don't pray to a statue, but we do through the reality of intercession, the beauty of the prayer of intercession, which takes place throughout scripture. so actually it's very scriptural, and I think sometimes uh, other uh, groups can place limits on Scripture or interpret it very narrowly, whereas we're interpreting it in a way that really reflects the Church's ancient tradition.
2: Yeah. Hey, Tom, you know, great book is uh, Rome, Sweet Home, I think by Scott mm-hmm. Hahn, uh, and he's a wonderful resource. Of course, my colleague Patrick Madrid um, can certainly answer a lot of the questions that you have, and there's a lot of them that are there. I'm grateful for your call, and I invite you to come in. It'll be the best decision of your life. If you've been away from that faith and maybe you've gone down a different path, come back to the Catholic Church. It will be a game changer for you. It really will. Uh, Father, I only have a few moments left. I want to give you the final two minutes that I have here. So final thoughts for those who are listening as we enter into this beautiful season of Lent.
5: I thank you. I think the key is through Lent and through everything we do, we look to those moments of grace when Jesus Christ has reached out to us, especially through the sacraments, moments in prayer with Scripture, moments where we have felt especially connected to Christ. And God will visit us through those moments again and again in our life. He will make them expand and be larger for us. So it's very important that we be attentive to him, to his ways of grace, especially confession this Lent. If we're feeling any inclination, it's very important to go and to be present to the mercy of God so that he can lead us to the Eucharist and praying the rosary on the way. God will do great things if we approach the sacrament of penance, if we approach the altar, and if we approach Our Lady. So trust him, hold on to him, and he will be close to us.
2: He is love and mercy itself. Such a great conversation with you, Monsignor. I always enjoy spending time with you.
5: So grateful Very happy to, Drew. Thank you, and thanks to your listeners. Oh, thank
2: you. Please check out Monsignor uh, Bransfield as well. He's got a couple books. And best way to get them, by the way, Monsignor, is it Pauline Books and
5: Media? Best way is Pauline Books and Media or Our Sunday Visitor Perfect. or right on Amazon.
2: Alright, sounds great. I am out of time for the day. Well, thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. I hope you have a blessed land. I'll say a prayer for you as I drive home today. Say one for me. And remember, God loves you. He is good,
1: kind, and merciful. I love you too. Have a great day.